Today, I pray that as we just discover more of you in this, God, that our hearts will be stirred about you. Not just about what the Word teaches us and the principles, but Lord, firstly, about you. I pray for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I had this slide that I wanted to show you, and it really is this. Slide had this on it. Which is? Oh, hands. Hands, that's good. That's good. Anything else? Wow, who is that? Mr. Rundle? My goodness, that's good. Empty hand. You see that? Nothing in it? Vic, can you see from the back there, Vic? I mean, empty hands. And so, this is something that all of us, when we're born, we're born with this, and it's the very thing that you will die with. Something quite unique about humans is that empty hands is an, is an aspect of our lives that we are born with, and something that we certainly die with. Whether you want to hold on to your favorite pen in your last moment and say, I'm not going to let go of this, I'm going to take it with me. It's not going to be able to go with you because you can't take anything with you wherever you would go after death. We go with empty hands. And so this morning, as we, as we just again go back to our series that we did, we finished last year in, in November, we had our last look into Exodus. And then we had December where we celebrated just who Jesus is and and life around him. This morning I want to just pick up again from our series. And, and as, you, as those of you that would know, that were with us, um, we, we ended off on Exodus chapter 20 where we spoke about the Ten Commandments. And we actually celebrated the Ten Commandments. Because none of those are extinct. They're all still very real. And, and so we just looked at that. And then from Exodus 20, you carry on and you start going into more detailed laws. And, and, and none of those laws are particularly relevant to us anymore. Because they were relevant to the Israelites. The Ten Commandments are certainly relevant and, and should be seriously considered in our lives. But if you look at chapters 20, 21... Um, 22, you look at, you find a couple of laws that, that appear like, you know, what happens when somebody is killed and uh, about when something is stolen, when violence takes place and when somebody is cursed, how do you deal with people like that and, and when animals causes death uh, to humans, how should, what should be done to an animal like that and you find numbers of things that, that are dealt with and we're not going to deal with it but actual fact, one thing I want to say about this is there are very good principles found in there that you shouldn't ignore. By the way, it's not good to steal. Here it says when you're caught, you're going to be killed. You don't live with that anymore. But the principle is it's not good to steal. How many? You can say amen. amen. Thank you very much. I'll see a hand. I'll see another hand. I'll see. Um, it's a good principle. Then you go into chapter 22 and, and it talks about how we ought to deal with issues when there's livestock involved and, and land and, and we shouldn't just, you know, fight one another. When, how do we deal with trust? And then there's some incredibly important principles that says here, do not do wrong to a sojourner. Somebody that's not from your own country. Deal nicely with them. 
I appreciate that, that you've done that to us. We're not local. And there are many people in, in this gathering even that aren't from Zimbabwe. And it's so good to not deal with those that are from outside in a harsh manner. Because even yeah, in Exodus it says, deal with each other nicely. Sorry. Love you, buddy. <laughs> and, and so these principles come up. And, and in chapter 23, for instance, it starts with this one. You shall not spread a false report. And then it carries on about just good principles. And I want to get to what I really want to talk about this morning. And the title of my message is, What's in Your Hands? What's in Your Hands? And so we're jumping from chapter 20 and 21 and 22 are about these laws that I want to encourage you to go and read through and go and see what principles are taught from there so that it can be part of who we are. But in chapter 23, um, the latter part of it, it deals with two things that I want to actually use to guide us into the new year with this image of these empty hands. I want to use Exodus as part of our series, but how crazy is it that on this day, the first Sunday of this year, we're able to talk about this concept as actually something, I believe, that will stand us in good stead into this year and will carry us. And I will talk about that in this morning's time. And, and so first of all, I want to talk about the latter part of Exodus 23. From verses 20 to 33, I want to firstly talk about really empty hands. And that both these concepts have incredible value for us. You know that in life, that if you're invited to a certain event, that is a prestigious one perhaps, and it's a dinner at some, you know, amazing place, and, and you arrive with your own food, you'll probably not be appreciated. <laughs> if you, for instance, go to a state banquet, I don't know how many of you have ever been to such a place, where it's a, you know, a black tie event, or a black suit event, or whatever they call it, and, and you arrive with your, your own food, it's like, I brought my own food. Like, no, but it doesn't work like that. We've got a five-course meal or a seven-course meal set up for you. You're not supposed to bring your own food. You come with empty hands. You know that there are times when you, you're supposed to come with empty hands, isn't it? Then there are times when you're invited by friends and it's just a simple come over dinner kind of moment and, and you ask them, and my culture often works like this, we say, hey, what shall we bring, isn't it? And they say, well, why don't you bring the drinks or the pudding or the, or the salad or the whatever. And for those of you that don't know what salads are, it's stuff that people eat to make them feel better. Um, anyway, and so, so you ask, what shall we bring? And then you don't come with empty hands because sometimes it's not the right thing to just arrive. You come with something. You know, you want to add value. You want to bring something. And, and this morning as we look at these two concepts, empty hands and full hands, I want to take you to Exodus 23 and show you that in God there are times when we need to have empty hands and there are times when we need to have full hands. And in this year of 2023, I want to encourage you to live with both. There's an incredible balance between these two that we need to, as children of God, understand that you need to live with an empty hand, but at the same time, you need to also have a a hand that's full and it's not empty. So in chapter 20, 23, verses 20, God is speaking to His people 
and he's and he's promising again for to them about how he will protect them and how he will deal with them as they enter into Canaan. And I'll just a couple of things will be highlighted. And one of the things that I want to just simply mention to you that these two words, I will appears about seven times in chapter 23, verses 20 to 33. Seven times God promises, I will. And I will do this. And I will do that. And you can go read through it. And if your Bible doesn't have I will, it has I shall. Maybe that's more grammatically correct, isn't it? Because I and we shall, isn't it? But I, anyway. Um, it will be, so I will sometimes. Um, but here it find, you find that God promises. For instance, in verse 22, it says, But if you carefully obey His voice and do all that I, that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Look at verse 25. You shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. And then in verse 26 it says, I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their back. So God is saying, this is what I will do. God's promising us these things, well, the Israelites in this context. And clearly, the Israelites were to appear before God with empty hands. Because He was going to do everything. It's like that state bank that I said to you, or whatever event that, that you're not supposed to really bring anything with you. God says, when I am in control, when I do things, there are certain things that you just can't do. I will. I will. And so this points to what God one day has done for us. Because when Jesus died on the cross, He said, when you come to me for salvation, for forgiveness, for redemption, for deliverance, your hands ought to be empty. Just like he said to the Israelites, when you're going to Canaan, I will. Jesus said, I've come to bring salvation to those that do not deserve it, that can never earn it, and can never do anything to bring salvation upon themselves. So when you and I approach God for His help, and even in this year, for His favor and His blessing and His protection, and we come with God, I've got lots to give you for that and to pay and to kind of exchange for what I would love to have. God says, your hands ought to be empty for that. There's nothing that you can bring that will earn anything or make you deserve it come with empty hands. The Israelites were encouraged to come with empty hands. I will do the following. And I think in this day and age where we are so self-reliant often, we say, well, I, I, I can make a plan. And this nation is just so incredibly well known for it. Hey? Like we make a plan. <laughs> Here in Zimbabwe, we have to make a plan. And so often we come with, I will sort it out. <laughs> just go to that tomb and they will. Or, or he or she will, they know how to, and there's a way out. There's always, there's always a way out. And, and so we tend to fall back onto our own efforts. And then when we come to God and say, God, I really need you, what can I contribute? What shall I bring? Is there anything that you expect of me to add to this package of, 
of your blessing upon my life? God says, no. You're going to entirely trust in me. And that's the tough thing for us. But I'm, I'm trusting him that he will do X, Y, Z in this year. But if I can just bring in a couple of, you know, efforts and <laughs> my own advice and my own wisdom and my own skill, surely then it will help God, wouldn't it? God says, no. But you come with empty hands. Actual fact in Isaiah, it says, you come and buy with, with no money. You come and receive with nothing that you have to give. And that is what faith-filled hands, not faithful, but faith-filled hands, which is really empty, speak of. That my hands are empty, but they're actually full of faith. Trust in Him. Because God, I have nothing to give. My hands are empty. In actual fact, the things that I can give you, they're worthless. There's nothing will be good enough. God, I wake up five every morning and I pray and I, and I spend a lot of time with you and, and surely that's something that could make things happen for me this year. No, no, no. You don't do those things because you want to gain something. You do it because you love Him. You're not faithful to your wife. You're not faithful to your husband. You're not, you're not an honorable father and mother because you want to get something. You do that because you love them. And so when we come to God, we don't come with something to give to get something. We come with empty hands. Empty hands. And that's so difficult for us. Because we are so used to, what I put in, I get out. What I put in, I get out. If I come to God and I give Him two hours and I come to church every Sunday, and, and, and God tip my hands are full, maybe therefore you will bless me. God says, no, no the blessing that you will receive is not determined by what you do. It's determined already by what Jesus had done. And so my, my hope is not because of anything that I've done to gain something. My hope is in Christ. Therefore my efforts are absolutely useless. And so my hands are empty. And I come to Him. And I receive. So I want to encourage you to live with empty hands of faith. Empty hands of faith. What a good way to approach this year. Actual fact is to, it's to get rid of ourselves, is to die to ourselves, as Paul writes, and, and, and therefore life will come. And so when we consider this year, it's not, God, what, what should I get, but what should I get rid of? And if there's anything in my life that says, well, I've been living with this attitude to kind of try to manipulate God to, be able to bless me, Maybe empty your hands. Just get rid of those efforts. And say, God, I come with emptiness to you. God said to the Israelites, I will. You won't manage without me. Nothing that you will do. On the contrary, everything that they did, did not actually make them deserve the blessing that was coming their way. God had protected them. He had saved them. He had heard their cry. He had sent Moses. He had delivered them from Pharaoh. Even, and in that moment, they were still complaining. He took them out of Egypt. He took them through the Red Sea. He provided water and bread. And still they complained. And every day they would almost complain. God said, I will still 
bless you. None of your efforts will make me take you into Canaan on the country. Nothing that you could do will get you to where I was going to take you. And so nothing that you and I can do, ladies and gentlemen, will get us to God's promises. It's just His grace. It's just purely His grace. So won't you look at 2023 and say, God, what awaits me and what you have for me and what you have planned for me, I come with empty hands of faith, full of faith. Trust that you will. You're enough. And then the second thing we've got to look at is we go back into chapter 23 and we now see that we, we shouldn't have empty hands. There are times when we really need to have these empty hands. But here God is saying to them in, in verse 10 of chapter 23, he talks to them about the laws, about the Sabbath and the festivals that they ought to keep. And, and in verse 13, he says to them, Pay attention to all that I have said to you, and make, make, make no mention of the names of other gods. He was really concerned about the fact that they were going into a land where there would be foreign nations with foreign gods. And said, no, make no mention of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. How's that? Amazing. He says to them, three times in the year, you shall keep a feast to me. These are the feasts. You shall keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we read the Feast of Harvest. And we read about the Feast of Ingathering, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And he says in verse 14, or 15, he says, As you keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days, at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. That's just a way in which he was helping them to remember. Then he says to them, listen to this, none shall appear before me empty-handed. How's that? The latter part of verse of chapter 23 says, I will do all this stuff. There's nothing that you can do to get you to Canaan. But then he says, when you come to me and you remember who I am, what I've done, and how gracious I am, and how kind I am, and how loving I am. Now you're to fill your hands. You're going to have something to give. And I think this is the, the incredible balance trick that we often miss. We come to God, we want to give Him things to impress Him. But when we come to worship, we have nothing. Because we're waiting for Him to get all this stuff from Him. And when we're supposed to give adoration and, and thanks and praise and honor and worship, like, yeah, 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 I'll get that later. But when we come in to give because I may want to get something from it, hey, I've, I've got lots to give. You know, I can, I can, I can prove it. I, I've got six Bibles at home. <laughs> and maybe that'll come to something. Or maybe, you know, I've, I've been a Christian for a long time and I really come regularly to Sundays and, and I really give. And, 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 you know, maybe that will will help to get from God. God says, no, for those things, you come empty hands, my friend. And with these things where you're supposed to come and worship, He says, come with a full hand. And so we read about this when He institutes these festivals. He says, I want you to remember 
Be reminded of my goodness and my kindness. But I want none of you to appear empty-handed. He says, don't come to me empty-handed because I haven't left you empty-handed. Why do I say that? If you go with me to Exodus, this is just about the time, Exodus chapter 3, where they're about to leave Egypt. And God promises this to them. This is just when Moses, actually, this is the, the event that is happening here, is Moses is, is spoken to by the Lord at the burning bush. And in chapter 3, in verse 20, God's speaking to Moses, and he says this to them, to him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. You know all the wonders that he did in the plagues. After that, he will let you go. And in verse 21, he says, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. In other words, these are slaves. Been in slavery for 400 years. They literally have nothing. God is telling them, and he told this to Pharaoh, that the reason that I'm taking them out of Egypt is so that they will come to worship me. Remember that? So part of our understanding of why God delivers us from sin and from a past and from just past experiences and past mistakes, He delivers us from that, not so that we can just be free, but so that we will worship Him. So He brings us out of slavery into something else. And so we've been delivered from Egypt, we've been delivered from sin to be taken into a walk with God. And the relationship with him. And here he says that when the people of God, the Israelites, will leave Egypt, they will not go empty. It says, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. They will not be stealing from them because that's against God's law. God's not going to have a moment and say, ah, okay, let's just... Close our eyes and okay, quickly go and steal whatever you want from the Egyptians. No, no. God's saying they will actually, when you ask of them, they will give it to you. And it will be almost like you're plundering. You're taking it away. That was an amen. And another amen. <laughs> so, so God is actually, not, he's not never going to say, don't steal from me. He's just saying, what I want for you is when you leave Egypt, there will be things given to you. Your hands will not be empty. You will take with you something that eventually, when you need to set up a place to worship me from the tabernacle, you're going to use these items. You're going to set up something that will honor me. So when God blesses us, by the way, it's not just to fill our baskets so that we can look all good, but that we will come with something in our hands to say, wow. For what you've given me, for what you've done for me, for what you're doing in my lives, I'm forever thankful. And so our hands ought to be full because of the grace of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and if you know that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, my friend, you have hands 
that are so full. And you use those blessings that you've received and constantly keep on receiving to come to your God with and say, Father, Father, my hands are so full. I'm so thankful. I do not use these things to try to manipulate you and say, look at what I can get and what I've done, but look at what you've done for me. And therefore my hands are full with what God has given me. You see, our gift to God will never be able to match His gift to us. Amen? So we, this is not a competition thing where we're like, ah, you give me something, I outgive you. You can never outgive God. So don't even try. The question is not if we should give to God. The question is what we should give to God. <clears throat> so all that are followers of Jesus here this morning, if He's the Lord of your life, you ultimately and automatically become a giver. You know that? It's not an option. Don't worry, we've taken up the offering. Like, oh, we're going to have another round. Maybe we should. No. The point is, we automatically become givers of what we receive. And we all receive. You look through the Word of God and you are a recipient of so much. So when we come before Him, which is daily, every minute of the day, we are surrounded by His presence. We are at a place where we can give. And it's not if we should give, it's what. When someone has blessed you in life, we often find that it's so great to be blessed. And you feel like, man, I, I want to do something for them. You want to just bless them. You want to just honor them for what they've done to you, isn't it? And not just to be a recipient and just kind of get and get and get, but you want to be a blessing to others. I wonder, how come we often find it so easy with people? But when it comes to God who's given us the greatest gift and keeps on giving gifts to us, we find it so difficult to give Him what is due to Him. So that when we just need to sit and just spend time with Him, we're distracted. We're too busy. When we ought to just find some time to read the Word so that we can in that give something to Him just so, so many other things have come up. And whatever it is that is an opportunity or a lifestyle that should indicate to us or to God that we appreciate Him, we want to give something to Him. There's so many things that come and interfere with that. May 2023 be some be a time where you deliberately, you and I deliberately say, God, we want to live like true givers. We want to come with our hands full of what you deserve. And I've just given you, I want to give you just four or six W's this morning, all right? Just six W's that I want to encourage you to have your hands full of as you go into 2023 um, and as we take note of the fact that, that God says to the, to the Israelites here, none shall appear empty-handed before me. The question is, what do we then fill our hands with if we shouldn't have it empty? I want to give you the six W's, is that right? 
just to kind of go and consider and take with you into this year. I want to say the first W is our wonder of God. Our wonder, our awe. Being impressed with God. And you know, one of the things that we should never stop being amazed by is not just nature and rain. It's beautiful to see rain. Beautiful to see these beautiful spots. Just We drove out to the Metopas just before Christmas and it was beautiful just to see the nature out there. And you often come and you stand in awe of it. The one thing that we should never, ever not have on our hands is an awe of God. The wonder of who He is. Be amazed by Him. One of the great ways in which you can be amazed by Him is His Word. Is His Word. If you've lost the amazement of God, may I suggest it's possible because you've just not read the Word of late. Because if you read who He is, what He's like, and and His nature, you become more and more aware of how great our God is. And may you therefore, may you and I, as we spend time with God, as we spend time in, our, in, in the Word, become more and more amazed at who He is. So that the wonder of God will be in our hands. That we come to Him and say, Son, I wonder who you are, but I am absolutely in awe of who you are. Because I read, I see it amongst God's people. I see it as we celebrate. I see it as we sing. I see the wonder of God. See, we, we, are, we are amazed by the things of the world. But may we in this year come to God with hands full of wonder of who He is. The second W is our worship. Our worship of Him. And you know what? There's often a simple form of worship. Is thankfulness. You fill your hands with thanks. And you've got lots to give. And that's why God says that none of us should appear before Him when we celebrate Him. And in and, and today's day, we don't have to keep the, the three festivals. Every day is a celebration of who Jesus is. And so when you come to Him, don't come to Him with empty hands. Come to Him with an empty hand not to try to impress Him and obtain something. But come to Him with a hand full of thankfulness and appreciation so that you worship with the real. And the third W is, I would suggest, is our word to Him. I would suggest that we keep our word. That whatever we promise to God, we'll keep. God, my, my word, I've, I've said I will. Like you often say to me, you will. But when I say I will, I will offer it to you. I will keep it. My hands will be filled with commitment and promise to you. The fourth W is, I will submit it to him. <laughs> this is a tough one. But I want to keep my will here. And I say, okay, I, I will be in charge of my life. I will determine the way forward. I will determine my steps. But when we say, God, my will, I submit to you, I say, not my will be done, but yours. Not my will be done, 
but yours. You know what? If we don't say that happens, God says the same. He says, what well, if you don't want to submit your will to me, then he says that not my will be done, but yours. Do you understand? If we do not submit ourselves to God, if we, if we predetermine our ways and we prefer our ways, God is actually saying, well, you want to have your will, not mine. So therefore, my son, my daughter, not my will be done, but yours. And it's not because God is a spiteful God and, 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 and angry at us. He's just saying, well, you've not given me your will. You're keeping it. So therefore, your will be done, not mine. And so therefore, we come with him, with in our hands, our will. And we surrender it unto him. We say, God, not my will be done. Not how I want to live, not how I want to go about my life, not the principles that I prefer and the ways that I determine, but your will be done. It's a great W to give to the Lord. The, the fifth one is, is our works offered to Him. The W of works. And, and you know, all of us are called to be workers and to be part of His workmanship. Paul writes about that in Ephesians. You're not just supposed to sit back and do nothing. And your works don't qualify you. Your works are not things that you offer to Him to get saved. But your works you offer to Him to please Him. So whatever God has called you to be, whether it's a student, whether it's a housewife, whether it's wherever you may work, that's part of our works. Not just at, at, our, at our secular places or wherever we may go, but everything we do, we say, God... I give to you my life so that whatever I do, as Paul writes, I'll be pleasing unto you. Whether I eat, or I drink, or I sleep, I offer my life to you. So my works, I fill my hands with and say, in the way that I deal with business, in business the way I, I do husbandry and, and, and wifery and, and childrenry or whatever the right word is, this is something that I will do so that you will be honored. So my works. If I go to school, I do it well enough so that you will be honored. And the last W, probably a W that we often battle to, to put our, in into our hands, and it's a W of wealth. We say, God, my wealth, I offer to you. What I have is not mine. It's all yours. And because you have given me everything, I, hadn't, I didn't have to pay for it. You gave me salvation. You gave me forgiveness. And you keep on giving it to me. Here I come. And my appreciation to you is, I give you my wealth. And thank you, God, that I can keep some of it so that I can eat and buy food and have a place to stay. But actually, you have right over my wealth doesn't mean that you need to be wealthy to have wealth one dollar a day is for some people wealth so don't think of just one thousand dollars a day as wealth so whatever you have been freely given is an opportunity to come to him and say here's my wealth I'll give it to you it's a beautiful thing to see how people are freely saying, well, I take what I have, I put it in my hands, and I give it away. I give it to you, God. 
because you deserve all honor. And it talks about these fruit um, that we ought to give in these feasts of harvest in this particular context. And I know that we're not, we're not living under those festivals anymore. But here it talks about the first fruits of your labor that you need to give. And in our context, we encourage people to say, listen, part of giving away of your wealth is to say, God, what I earn, I take and I give to you. And we read very clearly in the Bible that talks about tithing and giving. And people kind of, you know, deliberate about that, whether we should, should it be a tenth or not. The issue is not so much how much, it's, it's that you give. <laughs> you become a follower, you become a giver. And these W's speak about those things. So I'm going to ask you, what is in your hands when you approach God? Do you approach God with stuff in your hands trying to impress Him? Trying to gain His favor? Please let your hands be empty in consideration of that. When you come to God and you want to worship Him and you know, honor Him, please now not let your hands be empty. But let it be full. And there would be more things to add as these six W's may indicate. But I want to encourage us this year to live with empty hands and full hands. Let us not approach Him when we come in honor and praise with emptiness in our hands. And when we come and appreciate Him for what He will do and trust Him for our future and, and trust Him for what we really desperately need from Him, let's come with empty hands. Because nothing that you and I can give would force His hand to bring that about in our lives. It's purely by grace. By grace alone. So what's in your hands? What's in my hands? And we're going to break bread together now. Which, which is a beautiful moment to actually come with these hands. Empty hands and full hands. I want to come ask you to, to approach and if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning Jesus is Lord of your life these tables, there's one at the back right there my right and um, on my left this is my left, your right um, there's two at the front here you come to the table as a follower of Jesus and it's open to all of those that can confess that Jesus is Lord of your life you come with an empty hand you say Jesus what you've done is amazing you brought forgiveness and salvation into my life. And I want to thank you. I come with an emptiness. Emptiness. I don't deserve this, Lord. Nothing that I could ever give would bring salvation to my life. I come give nothing, but I receive everything. And you appreciate God in that way. And then secondly, I want you to come with full hands. You didn't come and break bread and, 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 and drink of the cup and say, Wow. I give you praise, I give you honor, I give you wonder, I worship you, I want to commit myself to you, I want to give you my will, I want to give you my works, I want to give you my wealth, I want to give you everything, Lord God, that you deserve because you've been so gracious to me. And may that be the way we live this year. Is that okay? And so Lord, as we just close right now, I thank you for a moment to come to you with empty hands 
and with hands that are full. Full hands. And I pray, Lord, that we will discern the importance of both and live with the importance of both in this coming year. Father, that there will be multiple moments where we say, God, you've been incredibly gracious. Nothing that I could give you. These empty hands speak of my efforts that are absolutely, absolutely rubbish as Paul writes about his past. They nothing. At the same time, we come to you with thanksgiving in our heart, with praise in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We say, what you have done causes us to stand in wonder. And we give you all the praise and the honor that you deserve. So Father, as we meet around the tables right now, I pray that empty hands and full hands will be part of this special moment.